1: Hey, everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric. And the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're 39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Fat Mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, Quince.com slash Fat Mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Fat Mascara. Hello, hello everyone. It's Jen. Welcome to Fat Mascara. We have such a good interview today. Listen, Jess is not here because she's off traveling, um, doing a work traveling thing for Harper's Bazaar. Hope you're having fun, Jess. She missed out a little bit because we have an excellent interview. It's Rodrigo Flores Rue. He's a perfumer at Givadon, senior perfumer, excuse me. He's been working in the fragrance industry for about three decades, and he received his training from Sipka in Versailles. No, I'm going to save us all from me doing French because, you know, that's just going to get butchered. Uh, But basically, that school, it translates to the International Higher Institute of Perfume Cosmetics and Food Aromatics. It's one of the famous perfumery schools in France. He's created hundreds of perfumes for fashion houses like Carolina Herrera, Dolce & Gabbana. He's done Celebrity scents. I know he did Holly Berry's, Hilary Duff, lots of Indies. Including Misfit Arkeist, which won the Indie Fragrance of the Year award um, in 2021 from the Fragrance Foundation. So I wanted to have him on the podcast because, first of all, I will take any opportunity I can get to talk to perfumer because they're excellent storytellers. But let me tell you, Rodrigo is the best storyteller, and I know you're going to love what he has to say. But I also wanted to talk to him because I reconnected with him recently. I was at a breakfast for a perfume house called House of Beau. It's a new perfumery line, and he created the fragrances. And he was speaking about how his Mexican heritage influenced the perfumes that he created for that brand, and that's something I wanted to hear more about, but I wasn't going to raise my hand and ask in the middle of the event and get all these questions out. That's why we have a podcast, people. So uh, he was so kind to come on and talk to me and we'll talk about, you know, his Mexican heritage, those questions I wanted to ask him along with his training and some of the cool new things he's working on with Givadon, like using new perfume notes created from upcycled byproducts of the perfume extraction process. I love that. I love when we can get sustainability into the beauty conversation even more. So I hope you enjoy the interview and here's Rodrigo. Rodrigo, I feel like I see you a lot because I'll go to these perfume launch events and in my big, long career in beauty editing, I mean like one time out of 10... They're like, and now we'd like to introduce you to the perfumer. And there goes Rodrigo up on the <laughs> stage to talk. You've created so many perfumes, and I would love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So just to give us an idea, how, how many perfumes do you think you've created in your career that made their way into the stores?
2: That's a complicated question because <laughs> it's a little bit in the eye of the beholder. Uh, if you define a concoction I made that went into a bottle and then saw the market... Yes. Throughout thirty years of career, because I actually uh, I uh, celebrated my thirtieth uh, anniversary in August of this year. I started in nineteen ninety one, so I have to say I have maybe around five hundred perfumes. <gasps> wow! Yeah.
1: I was yeah. I was like, okay, maybe a yeah. hundred. I don't
2: know. No, no, no. You know, very small ones, very big ones, very important ones, very unknown ones, very limited edition ones, and so on. Of my course. My dad, who was always very into numbers and into counting and into math, one day he asked me, and this is around 2017, etc., and I was in the mark of 350 around there, etc. But this is not uncommon, you know, it's, it's uh, when your your job and your craft is your passion you know it comes naturally and i'm not i'm not bragging on the contrary i'm saying you know what a pleasure and what a uh, what an immense, immense privilege is to be working in perfume and then, you know, putting a little bit of your soul inside a bottle and then, then somebody goes for it. You know? so it's I fabulous. love that,
1: your soul inside a bottle. Now, you mentioned some are small, some are limited edition, but let's talk like big successes that our listeners probably know the names of. What are mm-hmm. some of your biggest perfumes?
2: My, my, uh, my big first entry in the international uh, market of fine fragrance uh, is Clinique Happy. The, the women's mm-hmm. Cleaning Happy. It, it is a fragrance that uh, I co authored with uh, a perfumer friend and colleague and mentor and teacher, Jean Claude Delville. Uh, it was launched in 1997, so make your numbers. Uh, it has made the Estee Lauder companies very happy, so that's very, very happy uh, <laughs> uh, conclusion, etc. And I do say it's uh, even you know if, if it's, it, it was launched almost thirty years ago, it's a France that is still extremely referential. Um yes. uh, and people, people, people know it. It has become iconic. It has become uh, ingrained in the in the weaving of the history of perfumery of the United States and certain and. Well, hopefully the world you know so i am very proud of that that piece of work and that was my first foray um, there's other important phrases that i have made uh, uh some of them the brands were uh, are not very comfortable about me mentioning them so you know there is still a little bit of ghost writing in the world of perfumery but well that's yeah. the way it is uh so i can i can mention that a little bit i was also uh that's the sole and unique perfumer for the house of John Barbados for 15 years so in 15 years uh, with John uh, me by, by his side we uh, put 15 perfumes in the market some of them also become, became referential his first perfume the one that they call now Heritage which is the one with the black leather has become also a reference in the, in the industry you know that, those are things that I, can, I, I, I mentioned of the cuff but of course there's, there's more
1: of course. And we're going to get into why that is, that sometimes your name doesn't get attached to your perfume, because you do work for the perfume house, um Vaudan, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. Before we get yes. into that, though, I've heard you speak about um, your childhood growing up and how scent in- influenced you. Now, you grew up in Mexico City, right? Yes,
2: I am Mexican, born and raised. You're a city yes. boy?
1: Like in the city? Com-
2: completely. Uh, if you're familiar with Mexico City, uh, I was born in La Colonia Condesa, which is kind of the Bojo Art Deco, uh, nice... You know, neighborhood. Uh, I was I was born there, in the corner of Avenida Amsterdam and Avenida Aguascalientes. Uh, yeah. So in the cent, in the center of, of, of real Mexico up? City.
1: This is where <laughs> the perfumer Rodrigo Flores Rue was born. Now we won't do that. Um, so, <laughs> did fragrance play a big role in your life growing up?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So? My 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 family is a very olfactory family. I have to say, there's uh, in my family there is at least ten to fifteen extraordinary cooks extraordinary i mean with a capital e my mom was one of them my brother who is not cooking anymore he should he is a fantastic did cook did you just
1: say he should
2: he should because he's not cooking anymore you know he's lazy now <laughs> <laughs> but he would invent stuff you know etc so there has been also always in my in my family in in my growing environment a, a taste for, for taste, for, for smell, for scent, for flowers, and, of course, for perfume. A perfume conversation in my household, in my family, between, between uh, the members of my family and my extended family, my two grandmothers... Who knew each other very well? They were friends. They would talk about perfume, and they would they would you know uh, know about oh you know so and so wears this, so and so we just bought that. What do you think of the latest? This one I went to you know the department store Palacio de Hierro to smell it and that kind of thing. So those are conversations that since since I remember since the age of whatever two three uh, conversations I remember. I always tell that uh, my two grandmothers had very opposite taste in perfumery. So what one loved, the other one Really did not like, but they were very, very good at really being very critical with the friends. So by the end of the of the of the evening, you know, there was at least one of the friends got perfumistically crucified. So that was <laughs> that was always, always something kind of dishy and juicy. You it's know? so
1: funny whenever we talk about perfume on the podcast, grandmothers come into it. Yeah, well, fail. of
2: course, lo- like there
1: s- sometimes you talk about your mom stuff, but with perfume, it's mm. the abuela, the grandma, always
2: absolutely. I have the bottles of perfumes of my grandmother.
1: Yeah, what did they like, the two of them? What were, my, the,
2: were they? My mother's mother, my my grandmother Marta, uh, for her entire life she loved Arpège de Lavigne, uh, okay. which is a monument to perfumery and is also a modern to French culture and to French taste, a, 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 a monument to to couture.
1: Is this on the Rue side of the family?
2: Yeah, yeah. Marta okay. M- Marta López de Rue.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, and my mom was Jacqueline Rue. My mom was half French. Uh, and then my grandmother, uh, Maria de Jesus, who was blonde, so we called, her, we called her La Guera, or Coca. Coca liked the exact opposite. Arpèche is a very elegant, demure, you know, heavy, no, not heavy, but big, expansive floral, the hilly, woody fragrance. Um, but always, you know, with a, with a Parisian chic. My other grandmom, she liked Nuit de Noël. And uh, the Black sisters from Caron—they were, you know, heavy, a little bit ominous. She was into Shalimar, um, and uh, she wore much more perfume in quantity than my grandmother Martha. So you can understand the kind of personalities yes. that we're talking about. However, oh, they got—they got to
1: be in a room with them. Yeah, talking.
2: they got—they <laughs> got, they got along very well. One of the younger sisters of my of my of, of my grandma Martha, my aunt Blanca. Uh, she also knew a lot about perfume. All of, all of my great aunts knew a lot about the perfume. So, you know, now at my 50-something age, you know, I have all of those bottles, you know, that I fantasize and, and I looked at them like beautiful things in their vanities. They ended up with me and I, and I because I do have a quite expansive collection of, of, of vintage perfume bottles, I absolutely love them. I am, I am a collector and actually it's because of collecting bottles of perfumes that I became a perfumer.
1: Oh really? So mm-hmm. did the family know that they were like, "Oh, little Rodrigo, he's going yeah. to be a perfumer." Did they? And when did you find out that's what you wanted to do? A-
2: around the age of twelve, I was already very familiarized with perfume, smelling everybody like a little bloodhound, smelling people and <laughs> t- telling the teacher, "Oh, you know, uh, you smell like a perfume called Yendi de Capucci, but it might not be Yendi de Capucci because that's kind of difficult to get in Mexico. So a very similar." Jandy is bathed by Fabergé. And it was like my my grandma did. She just looked at me and, like, this is a monster. I said, yes, of course, it's David by Fabergé. Um, (laughs) I was a little bit intrusive. I I am still. (laughs) If I smell somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I I smell somebody in the street and I cannot identify. Normally, I'm. I know, you know, it's part of my job as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, but if, if I don't know, I, you know, very uh, flatteringly Mexican style, I go and ask, uh, you know, you smell absolutely divine. Can you tell me the name of your perfume? And I get the answer. So Does
1: it get added to your, your like, scent memory in your head? Like when someone tells you a perfume, will you remember it, do you think?
2: Yes, because, you know, that is, that is uh, the, the, the olfactive work of the perfumer. It is, I would say, 90% uh, relied on memory. Mm-hmm. On memory and, and exercising, so the more you smell a perfume, the more you smell even a raw material. The the more you memorize it, it's a little bit. I compare it like with, with weightlifting. The more you weight, your biceps are bigger, are more yeah. resilient, grow more, and and uh, uh, come back. They, they got what they call muscle memory. The nose is very similar.
1: Yeah, I actually have been hearing about that with people who have had COVID and lost their sense yeah. of smell. You have to practice to get yes, it back. Yes,
2: uh, absolutely. Because you know we can have a three hours conversation about the COVID the COVID situation with the olfaction and with a, with a sense of smell, but it, it has you know has become something that now very well known that we do have neurons that are not inside the skull, meaning it's, it's, you know extra brain neurons in the nose, and those are basically the neurons that are attacked by the virus. And how also you know when we learned biology, I'm a biologist, and in my in my in my uh, Uh, studies in the 1980s, etc. You know, one of the big things about neurons is that they they wouldn't be able to regenerate, etc., etc., which has been proven completely wrong. You know, neurons do regenerate. And not only that, they create different paths, different synapses. So this is also a symbol of growth. You know, when you learn something, it's because a new path has been established.
1: You build and those muscles, like exactly. You said.
2: There you go. That's exactly it.
1: So you study biology, obviously as part of perfumery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where did you get your tra- your training, your your perfume training?
2: So I started studying biology in the National University of Mexico, UNAM, uh, in, the, in the La Facultad de Ciencias, the School of Sciences. Uh, they would do a physics, mathematics, actuary, and biology in that school. And at the, at the middle of the, of, the, of the curriculum, which was around four or five years, et cetera, I was very, very desperate to really, really kind of try to, 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 to work in, in perfume. Uh, Study perfume. I was already aware of the existence of Isipka, the very, very uh, venerable perfumery school that is in Versailles, France. I knew about the school through my grandfather, my mom's, my, my mom's dad, who was the, the dean, the oldest person in the French colony in Mexico, Gabriel Roux. So everybody knew Gabriel Roux. So he started asking around, you know, like, I have my my uh, grand grandson and godson. He wants to study perfumery. So through people who work basically in the industry of perfumery in Mexico, mostly perfume importers, uh, we learned about the existence of this school. So in 1989, like I said, in the middle of you know my biology students uh, studies, I sent a letter to Isipka. Uh, you know what, what can I do? You know so what's up with you guys? And then <laughs> I, I, I I thought they find my, my, you know, broken, funny, you know, colorful uh, French a little bit interesting, I suppose, because they sent me a letter saying, you yeah, know, well, here where we are, you know, this is an application form, fill the application form, and send us a, a document of three pages uh, telling us why you want to uh, to be a perfumer, and we, we, we shall see. So I wrote a Quite funny document. If I look for it in my father's, you know, boxes, etc., I might find it. It was, like, I, I, it was really over the top. I was talking about, you know, the, the tears of crocodiles, how, they, you know, Pliny said that they were fragrant, and about Mexico and the orchids, and um, a famous Mexican poet, Carlos Pellicer, who talks about the tropics and blah, 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 blah. Well, um, story, story short, I got accepted.
1: They loved so,
2: it. I bet. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did live through that little moment of, uh, you know, like in the, in the movies that you get that letter and you know the family is in front of you and you tear the envelope open. How old open were and, you then? Uh, I was twenty. Yeah, still young. Twenty. Twenty. Yeah. What an experience! So you moved uh, to France to and study. Then, and the letter was very, you know, very kind of, you know. ABC, Monsieur Flores. Uh, we're writing to communicate that you have been accepted to join the the generation of 1981, to 1989 to 1991. It will be sponsored by the, the the House of Jean Patou. So see you on September the 8th. You have to bring a, a white lab coat and a check for the modicum of th- 37,000 francs or something like that. It was outrageously outrageous. Yeah. I had the money. My my mom had just passed, and you know there was a possibility of paying for the school. So
1: I bet she would have been so proud that that's what you used it for. I too. I think she is.
2: You know, you know. Yeah. Um, my 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 father. My father uh, passed uh, a year ago, and he was very proud of 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 uh, the Mexican perfumer. So yeah, I have to say that.
1: So. It's, it is. The world of perfume is kind of hard to get into. We hear that a lot, even from perfumers and expensive to train and all that. Do you think you need traditional perfume training like you had to be a perfumer? Is it something, you know, there's self taught perfumers now, and I always wonder what people like you who spent years on this think.
2: I, well, I, because of, you know, of, of how my family works, my, my, two, my two parents being scientists and teachers, I respect academia. Uh, so, so I do feel that formal training is good. I don't want to sound like a grandfather. Of course, you know, there's a lot of self-taught perfumers that are absolutely formidable and I have a lot of respect for them, but I respect academia because I enjoy it so much and I enjoy it yeah. in the past and so much, uh, not taking mini taking, you know, math classes in Isipka, you know, at uh, the curriculum had, for example, English classes. And I was completely bilingual when I got to France. So I was thankfully accepted for that, which was great because then I would spend time fiddling in the lab with a, yeah, with, with a, a the perfume raw materials, you know. So meanwhile, they were like, the cat is fat, uh, my sister is beautiful, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, classes. And so, oh, yes. no, I'm, I'm not doing that. So I got accepted. Uh, uh, there's tons of anecdotes like that, you know, why I got accepted ex- uh, and how, but anyway. Uh, but so... You can self-taught teach, however, uh, I do. For many disciplines, actually, basically, for any discipline, there's a moment that there's as much as you can do without structure. Yeah. And I do, I do get, uh, you know, contacted by a lot of people who are who are, you know, playing with drumming, etc. But you do. I always see think that you not only need a little bit of structure in this, but at the same time, uh, a guiding hand for sure. But at the same time, you need to understand that making a perfume is one thing and knowing how to make a perfume and knowing what the parts and pieces are, it's important, and I, sometimes I feel, and this is not a criticism because it's kind of, you know, uh, energy and joie de vivre, many people put them together, etc. It's not that you cannot, you know, mix raw materials until you you know 12,000 raw materials, no, it's not that. But sometimes, you know, one doesn't begets the other one, you know. Obligatorily, and that is something that you know, when I when I have mentored people or had explained younger people how it works, etc., cetera, et cetera, I always like you really need to build the biceps and then you will be lifting the weight, you know, yeah, to, to continue with our bodybuilding metaphor.
1: We can keep the metaphor going, yeah. I wonder, <laughs> so you're coming to this French heritage of perfumery, which we mm-hmm. all know about, it's very storied and very closed off from the rest of the world in some ways. Do you think? Did you bring any of your cultural heritage from Mexico to the the teachers and mentors you worked with?
2: There, there was a little bit of that. It was interesting because, for example, uh, uh, in the 80s, of course, there was no Internet. You know, now the information is really, is really the tip of the fingers. And there it was like I would go and visit, you know, the Mexican branch of uh, Harman Reimer. I went to Gibraltar, Mexico. Uh, I went to Firminich, Mexico, etc. You know, like scarring for information and I would show up. You know, either in a factory or in you know commercial offices in Polanco, and say, "Hi, my name is Rodrigo Flores. Can I get a brochure?" <laughs> Things like that, you know. It's like so, I started collecting that kind of thing. Then, uh, fashion magazines were very important, and for me it was so important to get the the issue of uh, uh, the Parisian Vogue in September because that was the one that had the new launches, that was super exciting because half of the magazine were perfume ads. It was just fun. Without Sandstrips, the Sandstrips came much later. This is 1980, 1979. I remember mm-hmm. the launches of the time. I remember when Opium by Yves Saint Laurent was launched in Mexico, for oh, example. Yeah. I still have the papers and the images that, that they gave as flyers in El Palacio de Hierro, you know, the venerable um, department store in Mexico, well, they have the exclusive for ifs and wrong. They still do, by the way. So I already had a wealth of information, a little bit of structure, et cetera. But then I started kind of investigating, reading. Rah, rah, rah. That's how I fell in love with plants. That's why I became a biologist, because dash botanist, I consider myself a botanist, amateur, if you will, aficionado, yeah. but still, still a, a botanist. Uh, so my love of plants kind of al- alimentates, it fits a lot my perfumery work.
1: Are there plants, though, that are like native to Mexico that weren't traditionally used in perfume that you were able to introduce?
2: No, that has been a dream. That has been a very difficult thing to accomplish. Mm. Uh, and this is absolutely a little bit embarrassing because there's three raw materials, natural raw materials that are, uh, of, uh, that come from plants that are uh, native to Mexico. And the actual raw material that we use in the perfumery lab to put in the perfume, one of them is vanilla. Vanilla is an orchid that is originally from Mexico, but we do not cultivate vanilla for perfumery purposes, purposes in Mexico, which is, like I said, a little bit embarrassing. Uh, yeah. The other one is tuberose. Tuberose is also a plant that is native from Mexico. The extract that we use in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in perfumes, of the extract of tuberose, is mostly from India. So the plant was exported and that is where it's cultivated. For the flat floor, floral trade and the other one is marigold and marigold comes mostly from africa in mexico there's cultivation of marigold but mostly for the yellow dye uh, you know mm. the, the, the yellow color of the marigold that is important in textiles and and, and and food coloring and so on so there's three plants that are quite important three naturals that are quite important in perfumery that are of mexican origin and i have tried unsuccessfully through different channels to uh, establish that I one of my best best friends from childhood he he um, has a PhD in uh, in uh, in bio bio resources etc and we have really tried to explore uh, the tuberose thing, if anybody hears this, you know, okay, those feel mm-hmm. the idea. Uh, it's, it's difficult to accomplish because we do have uh, tuberose fields in Mexico, but it's mostly grown for ornamental purposes. How do you purposes. think
1: it smells differently than the tuberose that is usually used? Because I know depending on where it's grown, you're yes, a yeah. scent, right? Yes,
2: Defin- de- definitely. In, 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 in perfumery, uh, natural raw materials uh, perfumery, the, like in many other things foodstuff there is something called the terroir you know it's like that is mm-hmm. definitely that is definitely something that is that is uh, is absolutely uh, undeniable in in this but the, the first time that I smelled a tuberos absolute from India uh, from a very very high-end manufacturer of, of, of perfumer materials at issipka I was floored because it was like smelling you know this church in Mexico where, you know, we put tuberoses in the churches in Mexico, I was floored how uh, vivid the image, the olfactive image of, of tuberose was coming from that little tiny bottle and how concentrated and how, you know, powerful and and so on. So so I have not smelled uh, uh, the tr- little tryouts of tuberos that we did in Mexico back in the 90s to what we have now coming from India. I have not had that particular pleasure because of different times how the
1: extract would compare i was
2: actually very very optimistic about it but
1: we'll see maybe somebody listening will be your angel
2: Floral extracts are really, really challenging because the the yield is so low. So yeah. you know, and and the process is so expensive that you know you really need to have a very big infrastructure in order to, in order to this to to wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to become a, a rose 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 <laughs> rose cultivator for the industrial perfumery. You first, you need a
1: plantation in acres and acres. No, it's fine. They're, exactly, exactly. We'll teach you how to do it.
0: Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alloMoves.com now and use the code Mascara20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code Mascara20. Allomoves.com code Mascara20.
1: You mentioned um, the smelling the tuberos and just transporting to the church. Are there other scents that just transport you back to Mexico City that like have a relationship to that place for you?
2: Particularly one that is a world-known smell that for me is is not only very emotional and very from my upbringing, mm-hmm. but it's also very important in many of the perfumes I have made, which is frankincense. Frankincense, you know, it's a raw material that I use a lot. You know, I did not grow very religiously, but I was educated as, uh, you know, I grew up as a a Catholic. Uh, I am also, uh, I am an amateur art lover and a little bit of a hard art historian. So I do know a lot of the Bible, but it's through my taste of classical art. Um, I know I can tell you every single detail of the the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel quite easily. There I'm bragging, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So, frankincense takes me back because again, funny. I mentioned the church for a second time. So the the, yeah. the, the, the smell, the, the the memory, the olfactive imprint that I had in my head is precisely that smell of frankincense mixed with a with a very very voracious scent of the white uh, tuberose flowers. Exactly. So they, they they go hand in hand. Yep.
1: You all. You also talked about how obviously you need so many flowers to get an extract that you can use in perfumery. And I know you've been doing some work with well, your company on making that whole process more sustainable in the way that there aren't as many waste materials. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because yes. you hear about thousand pounds of, it used to be an exciting thing for marketers. A thousand pounds of rose petals were used in this one bottle of mm-hmm. perfume. And you know, now with the environment, people think, oh God, do I want that? You know? So what are you what are you how
2: what's your the challenge? answer is yes, you want it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, what, Yes, and in in parenthes and you know, when people are like how much perfume should I should wear? And I just look at like more is more. The entire bottle. Be like the Mexican singer Luis Miguel. Uh, f- f- uh, for each concert, he would empty one bottle of Anclefana Pérez. Oh, Peles. really? Yeah. yeah. I want to be like Luis you're, Miguel. Your I mean, really. you uh, uh, yeah, my grandmother yeah, like that. Abuela Coca. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, um, yes, this is a really cool one because, you know, traditionally speaking, we talk about orange blossom, jasmine, uh, rose, tuberose, Narcissus, Mimosa. Uh, not a lot of flowers, uh, but you know, certainly uh, very specific flowers that are used in the uh, as natural extracts in the, natural, the, yeah. in the in the creation of perfumery. And yes, basically, what you do is like uh, in all of these cases, by the way, all of all of the ones I mentioned, uh, possibly mm, except for narcissus in France, but all of them are grown sustainably, respectably in fields. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a crop. I mean, it's an orange tree grove, you know. Right. And then, instead of waiting for the oranges, you know, we just, you know, utilize the flowers. In the case of, uh, particularly in the case of of, of the orange blossom, the favored variety of orange tree that we use uh, in order to, to extract both uh, essential oil and, and absolute gives very bitter oranges so they are not the perfect oranges for 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 alimentation for food so that kind of few saves us a little bit but anyway yeah. there's fields let's say let's talk about rose uh, rose there's fields in morocco there's fields in turkey there's field, some fields still in grass around grass in france and a very very healthy industry also in, in bulgaria bulgarian rose being one of the uh, you know referential qualities uh, traditionally speaking you know yeah. there's nothing wrong with, with turkish rose or moroccan rose but anyway but they are fields and you know there's people who go and pluck the flowers in such a way at a very specific time on the of the day so all of that romance that we see in those beautiful movies of the of the fancy french houses it is true it is yeah. true it is a little bit romanced but it is true i've been there i have pricked my 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 hands with the thorns of the rose bushes i know it it, it is true and then what we tra- traditionally do, you know, with these petals, then we put them in a container, blah blah. blah. And then through a process either of distillation with 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 with, with steam or some kind of you know uh, organic and uh, um, inert solvents, not dangerous solvents. Then we we obtain either essential oil, the essence of rose, or the absolute of rose. Again, the the, the story short, I, we can do three hours of this as well. But then what happened? You end up with, as we call them, the exhausted, boiled petals, Squeez- squeezed, squeezed, out squeezed little, you know, yeah. boiled, cooked, uh, blah. and yeah, they are the like, a, yeah, there's a mushy blob, you know, of petals. So they would end up. I I wouldn't say in the garbage can, but they would end up being used as fodder or as, you know, like like fertilizer or you know, things like that. They would they would end up back back in the soil. Back in the 90s, there started to be like exploration about that. You know, uh, happens with uh, the cedar chips, happens with uh, the exhausted root of roots of vetiver, happens with, you know, florals very much in particular. So we started studying what if we take this, this garbage and yeah. then re-explore it, re-extract it, do something with it. Yeah. So that has now, you know, in the past, less than five years has got the name of upcycling and upcycling has been something that the fashion world has explored a lot either going to a vintage store and buying a funky coat from the 60s and then you cut off the I don't know the arms of the coat and then you it as a vest and then oh my god you're so you're so chic something as simple as that or something as complex as uh, uh, utilizing the scraps of leather that are used in making a Kelly bag at the Hermes ateliers. And then years and years and years of collection of these scraps of high quality leather pieces of blue crocodile and so on. Like what do we do with this? How do we invent a sustainable and at the same time romantic and Modern story, and that is where they where they came up. I'm giving this example. I'm not giving any any publicity to their to their mess people. Although yeah. I love the house and the product, so they came up with le, le, it's called Le Petit H, the small H, and they yeah. do this these little bibelots these little toys, these little dolls, these little you know, uh, church keys, yeah, that yeah. with leather scraps. So that's basically the same story. So looking at the things that we would get rid perfume of, perfume scraps. Perfume scraps, what, what ends up in the editing floor, you know, mm-hmm. and so we have been very successful. Uh, we have at Givaudan a serious palette of of uh, of cycle raw materials, you know. To mention a couple of them, we yeah, have. Yeah, give me some examples. We, we have uh, the the rose is basically one of the one of the showy ones, but we also have. How does have it a,
1: compare though to the absolute? Oh, it's, or the it's completely
2: completely different. Yeah, what does it smell You know like? the, 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 the you know, rose, let's say rose absolute, for rose example. Rose Yeah, but the rose absolute traditional one is, you know, very rosy smelling with mm-hmm. a very, very very clear uh, spiciness to it and a fruitiness that could be described uh, between plum and tea, kind of. And you know, like, are these roses that
1: you're talking
2: uh, about? The, the, this I'm talking about a Turkish rose absolute.
1: Okay, so that's be- the basically. traditional uh, Turkish yes.
2: rose. So then, utilizing the petals of the extraction of a turkey's rose, etc., what we obtain, uh, we obtain a big, horrible, sticky black thing, okay? Mm-hmm. So we need to take the color out. So we need to redistill it again because you don't want to put something that color in a perfume because your perfume will become brown as Coca-Cola. So, so, so we have to treat them a little bit. So it, that takes a little bit more effort, but, you know, the result is a very good raw material. It's completely fluid. You know, it's liquid. Uh, it is only yellow, uh, kind of a, a medium yellow color, but the smell is very different because it develops more the spiciness. It is devoid of that kind of sweeter fruitiness, but at the same time, it develops a smell that, it, for, for me, I find it very seductive of black olives. So Ooh. it 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 kind of and the more uh, deeper heavier parts of any rose which are honey animalic uh, a little bit yeah a little bit leathery they are more 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 prevalent so imagine a rose that is leathery that mm-hmm. you know that's utilizing a little bit of imagination so the application in a floral composition is completely different than you would put you know with essential roses from bulgaria essential oil but from it's bulgaria etc like you guys et
1: got to invent a new
2: yeah, no. it's exactly, it's a new color in the palette. It's a new Pantone. Uh, we also have a fantastic Moroccan cedar wood. That, that one smells like uh, like a brand pair of boots made by John Lobb. You know, it's just a- absolutely unbelievable. I love leather, so leathery smells are, you know, something that I'm looking for. And that is really, really interesting, very sensual and very leathery. And then we have also played with uh, residues and reprocesses with, with the patchouli leaf. So that those are really
1: does it also take on because both of those seem to get a little darker, leathery or more is it, that's sort of what happens?
2: yeah, well, you know it like if you think about the four elements you know air air, fire, water, and earth, et cetera, you put these through fire. And mm. fi- fire, fire is a non-forgiver, you know. The Greeks talk about it and, you know, uh, the, 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 go- the gods of fire is like, you know, the feminine side is Vesta, who keeps the hearth and keeps the home. And uh, the, the god of fire, the god of fire is, he, he creates uh, instruments of war, you know. So, so, so yeah, we are working actually with, bo- with boiled, yeah. quasi-burnt raw materials, you know? uh, residues of raw materials.
1: I just saw you when, at this House of Beau event we talked about. You were able to use one of these upcycled notes, right? The, ro-
2: the rose, you know, uh, with Bernardo Muller, we we made these three very, very fantastic, exquisite perfumes that are also very evocative of Mexico. And in that one, that he wanted to be very spiritual, etc. He really wanted a leathery note and something that was, would be... Uh, different and a little bit kind of uh, head-scratching at the beginning. So we yeah. we use a lot of the, of the uh, we call it the bio-absolute or neo-absolute of rose.
1: Oh, that's what uh, Givadon calls these upcycles. Yes, maps, yeah. That's, you
2: know, it's just, uh, neo-absolute, neo-absolute. Neo-absolute. <laughs> yeah, it's like a neo-absolute. It's kind of cute. Neo-absolute. Yes. More than cute. It's nice. It's
1: giving me uh, Matrix vibes.
2: Yeah, because thing. because it is, a, you know, it's a very, very... Uh, Modern, even postmodern approach, you know, to yeah. a to a traditional a traditional perfume perfume uh, element. So it's just wonderful.
1: And that's the that's the House of Beau Espiritu. Espiritu. Is that the fragrance okay, that you use? It is that one. The yeah. So yes. do you just call it rose neo absolute? Yes, and
2: that's what and that's exactly what it is. And you know cool. it's, it's 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 featured in that perfume. And I use it both for its floral seed, a little bit of the feminine side, but also for the woody leathery part, which is important in this kind of very spiritual perfume. So
1: have you been able to work with these um, neo-absolutes and other projects yet, or you're still working on?
2: Yes, uh, uh, the, the one that uh, that comes from patchouli is a little bit of a more uh, different approach because we actually use, we recycle fractions of the patchouli that are not particularly desirable in perfumery in order to find something. So we use those kind of uh, fractions of the essential oil. We scour for one particular fraction, and then on that one, we do a little bioenzymatic treatment and that has become something that now is a little bit well known it's called wood. it's mm-hmm. a completely made up name it was it was named by a chemist who liked invented invented names uh, but it's basically kind of the heart uh, of the remnants of patchouli and uh, for that one in particular, uh, you know, a little drop goes a long way. Uh, it's also one of these things that you put in a perfume and then, you know, like a catalyst that makes a perfume like, you know, boom. Is that, and, the,
1: is that the same as patchouli extract? Does that also
2: no, do that same No, no, no. It, it would be a mini, mini, mini fraction of, of a patchouli, of a mm. patchouli raw material that then we kind of... Let's continue with the bodybuilding. We give it steroids. It's a little bit like that. It's, it's more complex than that. But anyway, so, you know, like many raw materials that are new, you know, perfumers, we start using them at 0.001, 0.002. Then somebody's yeah. very daring and puts 0.5. And then somebody's daring, oh, my God, I use one gram of akigala wood. Oh, 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 oh. And uh, some years ago, I was like, we shouldn't really overdose it, you know. They had it had had been a nice dose uh, in a perfume down in Brazil, which had a great perfume that that uh, that had a very big success. But I said, like, you know, I am going to push the usage of this raw material up until regulatory tells me, like, no, you cannot go over that that level. Yeah. So I made a perfume that uh, the perfume is at a uh, uh, 10% in alcohol you know I put it with other things but the, the perfume contains around 7.5 or 8% of Akigala so it's a very 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 high wow. dosage of a very 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 powerful raw material it's for yeah. a very small uh, but very interesting perfume house uh, in France called Ether like like Ether but it's mm-hmm. like a-E, like A-E together, yes, ether. Yes. The perfume is called Suprae and it was, you know, a take on minimalistic perfumery that kind of, you know, rotates up, uh, around one or two like prominent raw materials and uh, uh, on an overdose, on a, on a voluntary, on a willing mm-hmm. overdose. And... That perfume has, has, you know, has, has got awards as a very unique, uh, very unique piece of work. Uh, I developed it with uh, my friend Nicolas Chabot, who is also the owner of the House of legalion And that was a great adventure because, you know, it, it really, I'm going to use the word, it reeks of that. But, <laughs> it, but in such a good way, it is, it is fantastic, you know, on, 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 on on a lady wearing an evening gown. It is fantastic on a Harley Davidson guy. It is just an an incredible perfume because it has that thing that it's kind of, it is a perfume, but at the same time it's a smell. It kind of skips skips a little bit your, your level of comprehension, and it hits uh-huh. you organically and metabolically somehow. It's a really, really strange raw material. It's a little bit mysterious. And we so convey it beautifully. Yeah. yeah, well, there you go. We convey we, we, we a very beautiful olfactive story, a very beautiful uh, olfactive stimuli that is favored by a lot of people. You know, there's not one day that I wear that perfume. By the way, I'm going to wear it tonight. There's not okay. one day that people were like, "Wow, what is that?" And you know, because it's a structure that doesn't come from a reference of another toilet or you know, like we do a lot yeah. of genealogies and you know, the father, the son, the, the grandson, etc. of perfumes. The structure comes from nowhere. Uh, so it's kind of turns heads it's
1: really like wait I have yeah because our brains even if we don't recognize it our brain might have a little memory somewhere in there another smell but Uh, you invented this note so nobody has a memory of it yeah I'm curious before I do this little speed round quiz I wanted to do with you at the end you mentioned that you created that in conjunction with the perfume house but I imagine some of your job is also getting these briefs you know and trying to create a fragrance based on a brief and I'm curious I don't have to name names but like what's the most challenging brief or story a client brought to you and you had to bring to life as a perfume
2: mm, well the, there's a lot of anecdotes and it's not that I someone mentioned. just like handed you yeah. a
1: picture and they're like here just do this oh
2: that's, that's actually quite common you know we, we do get boot mood boards all the time so you know that is in a yeah, well, that yeah, makes it that's easier. that's yeah. we're going to use our word you know that's in the good ways pedestrian and it's a very normal mo but I remember uh, when I was just starting a quite reputable uh, French fashion house uh, was going to brief for their their first foray in perfumery. They were going to brief five houses. And they communicated, this is back in the 90s, okay? They communicated that they were going to send a brief by fax at noon on Friday, okay? So so keep, keep your eye on the fax. Imagine a fax. I'm really dating myself, but it's perfect. I think this is a perfect story. So everybody was looking at the fax machine, at at 12, beep, 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 you know, the, the machine, and out comes a completely, completely, completely black page. We all know how fax paper works, you know, that it, it it is unstable. I mean, nowadays, you know, 20 years, 30 years later, you know, there's no fax that exists because they have all leaked. They are, you know, extremely, yeah. extremely uh, Unstable, you know the ink or whatever it is, the dye. So everybody started calling, you know, the, the people in the brand. Can you send it again? Because uh, <laughs> because I, our machine leaked or our paper. Uh-uh. No, that's the brief. Oh that's the brief. God.
1: They loved messing with you guys. Oh my oh.
2: god! Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder
1: if the four other houses also called. I bet they did, right?
2: Uh, actually, I asked a question years later because I became a friend of somebody who worked for that project. said, oh, yeah, yeah you guys were so scrambling around, etc." cetera. Uh, the company that I used to work for at the time did not win the contract. It was a smaller house who won the contract, and the perfume is sensational. Uh, it is still okay, sensational. So when you smelled
1: the perfume that is a black fax page,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> what does uh, it smell like?
2: I actually did not think it was that blacky black enough. <laughs> when, I smelled, <laughs> okay. when I smelled that perfume, I was like, "Oh, it needs a little more blackness." <laughs> but yeah, anyway, yeah. it's still it's still a, a fantastic piece of work, and uh, a, a perfume I admire greatly. And and so this is you know I'm telling, this I mean, is an, an, tired, an anecdote. You've got
1: to come back on and tell us what perfume it is.
2: <laughs> yes, so I, what I, I, do I you will. So
1: see in the world of perfume.
2: And, and, well, and then. then, but you know. Um, it's not that, OK, I'm going to tell you this was so challenging and blah, 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 or the Dolce Gabbana took eight years, took eight years or whatever. It's not that, you know, I think uh, I always say and, you know, I don't want to, 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 to sound preachy or, or whatever. But, you know, the most important organ in the body of the, of the physique, the, the physique of the perfumer is not the nose, it's the ears. Yeah. You have to listen. You have you have to uh, to be to be not only not only in in the air of the moment. You have to uh, read the news. You have to see friend uh, f- uh, f- uh, fashion magazines. You have to go to shows, watch the movies, see the Oscars, uh, uh, get into politics. You know you you have to catch the zeitgeist. As a perfumer, is very important. Living in an ivory tower that doesn't make a good perfumer, and. Because of that, the ears have to be very, very like radar, like sonar or sonar and radar. Mm-hmm. And particularly when it comes to the development of a perfume, you have to listen to your client. Yeah. When, 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 when you don't listen, you don't get anywhere. And, and you can disagree or disagree. You cannot like what you're listening. You, you can be very disappointed with, with comments of a particular you know, round off of modifications of the work, etc. But if you don't listen, you are, you, you are toast. As a perfumer, it is one of the most important things. There's two things that you, a perfumer has to have. Three, actually. A very, very thick, a very thick skin. Yeah. A very, very acute sense of hearing for the mm-hmm. listening. And Patience. Yeah. If you're not patient, change professions. You know, become I don't know, become a quarterback. Uh, you know, <laughs> in, in the Booth Steelers. Uh, you know, that pays a lot, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so so you know, there's other things. You know, that 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 make the composite what a perfumer. You know, this kind of yeah. crazy monster that a perfumer is. But for me, those are the most important ones. If you if you don't know how to wait, you are not going to be a perfumer.
1: This is why I think you have more than 500 cents that have made their way to market because you're good. Listeners, the clients must love you.
2: It's crazy when my husband like, oh my god, you're getting so impatient. And no, 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 don't say that to me. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't tell a perfumer that he's impatient. That's an insult.
1: <laughs> well, no. So sometimes at work you're one thing, yeah. and then you come home to your people, and <laughs> it's, you need to like be the opposite because all day long yeah. you're being patient with everyone.
2: Yeah, well, that's true.
1: <laughs> so before I let you go, I have a little speed round. Usually we do the same five questions, but I have a perfume-specific quiz for you. Go. So go. Are you ready? Yes. What? What is the best smelling food to you? Oh. You're from a family of chefs, like, come on. Like,
2: like uh, without a doubt, it's Mexican food. It's like- Oh, be more you specific, mm. you're a
1: perfume
2: ah, <laughs> Oh, mm, okay.
1: Best smelling.
2: Uh, a, a very well made, not something that you buy in, in Whole Foods, but a w- very well made uh, guacamole, It's absolutely unforgettable. And I always mention the smell of freshly baked corn tortillas as one of the references, on olfactive imprints, one of the best smells in the world, is when you walk by a tortilleria, you know, a tortilla oh, shop yeah. in Mexico City, and you hear the creaking of that machine that has a little slide, like a toboggan, and, yeah. the, and, and, the, and the tortillas are coming like balloons, and then they they, they, they deflate, and then you eat them when they are warm. You just put a little bit of salt, and you are in heaven, yeah. And and he's got oh only the God, taste, is the smell. So hungry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well done. Okay. So speaking of cities, what's the best smelling city you've ever? The best city?
2: smelling city. Oh, because you know, I can tell you which are the, which is, which which ones are one of the worst. You know. <laughs> okay, the, which is the worst? Well, we're gonna do, we're gonna do both. You know, <laughs> one of the worst is definitely where I live, New York City. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, I absolutely adore this place. This place is my home, my house, my yeah. love. You know, it's my energy giver, it's my battery. But man, it smells bad. August, August in New York is pretty bad. You know, Jivodan is located on, on uh, in, the, in the in the block between 56 and 57 uh, on Sixth Avenue. Uh, there is a reason why we the Jivodan the, the people call uh, 56th Street "50 Street." It is, it is. You know, you, uh, and as a perfumer, you have to you know what corners were to avoid because of the garbage can, because of the summer, because yeah. of August, because of a, a strike of the garbage collectors, whatever it is. Uh, um, And those
1: skyscrapers just like funnel it directly in your Oh, yeah.
2: It's just like, (laughs) wow, it's tough. Okay, so
1: we're the bad city. What city smells delicious or beautiful?
2: Well, maybe it's a question that is emotional, possibly, but I find that Florence smells very good. Mm. And I have to think that it's not only because, you know, you're visually enticed to think that the air smells great, but I do think that Between being the center of a valley with a a quite important river going through the city and then the stone, the marble, the travertine, Mm. uh, the the masonry, masonry, masonry of of those palazzi, I think there's some, and I always, I always say, man, Florence smells good. You know, it's just, okay. Yeah. And the other one is definitely Seville, but they, they cheat, you know, they plant oh, well, or, like, or, orange, like orange trees. Yeah. yeah, orange trees. No, they I'm cheat. Take Florence. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now um I I didn't know you collected perfume bottles vintage mm-hmm. ones yes. too. So what's your favorite perfume bottle regardless of the scent? So don't think about the juice, just the bottle. Oh
2: there's so many. There's so many. Uh, you know, I want to say you know, it's a kind of a difficult one to explain, but it's a perfume by Caron from the nineteen thirties. Okay. Called w- with pleasure, and it's a bottle designed by Bacara. Actually, designed by the, the 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 designer of of Caron, the bottle and bag designer, uh, Felicity Van But she worked with Baccarat. and it's actually it's a barrel. It's a barrel where you will keep wine or 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 port, etc. And then the, the the stopper is kind of the the little faucet, the little how to say like um, uh, you know, like a little like a little the key TV that twist you twist
1: and then the uh, yeah, yeah. Bridge. Comes out a, like a faucet.
2: Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, nice. like a faucet, but, but it has another name. And uh, so when you see, <laughs> exactly, it's a spigot. It's yes. exactly that's what I was looking. So when you put it like standing up, it's kind of a really art deco looking, you know, yeah. nice, chunky object. But when you put it lying down and it's presented in a box that is lying down like a casket of amontillado, literally, I think it's absolutely ravishing. It's just like such beautiful, exquisite, sophisticated, ingenious playful design. and then, do,
1: you have the, do you have the box, too? Uh, that no,
2: the, bo- the, bo- the box, I have two of them, bacara number, etc. one bigger, one small, but the box is very difficult to get. I actually have Ooh. never never seen it in, in, in person, the, this, this box that looks like a coffer, you know? Oh,
1: if your husband's listening, there's a present idea.
2: Oh, he, he knows. Wants- and then, you know, <laughs> they, they took it to the extreme because it was a, an extremely fruity perfume, that use a lot of cognac oil, so so okay. it is also it's also this kind of you know like uh, let's call it perfume synesthesia, you know like the product made the idea that the idea made a product, and it's absolutely ravishing. Like that, I can I can tell you many like really interesting no, bottles that's a, that's a by good the one. brand brand of Scaparelli. Caron had very interesting ones. Gerland had really nice ones, and more. There's incredibly more. I happen to like very much the design aesthetics of the 1970s. What Dinan was doing in the 70s for brands like I don't know Charles Jourdan or or or. Or Paco Rabanne, etc. I happen to like that aesthetic that is a little mm-hmm. bit plasticky. But plasticky mm-hmm. was really cool and chic and modern and and, and utilitarian, etc. So I do like those those '70s shapes. I I'm, I'm a, I was born in '68, but I'm a child of the '70s, so I kind of connect there very much. And I also would give a mention to the, 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 the bottle of Chamat de Guerlain, who is which is like a seashell that is also a heart, that is also a teardrop. Uh, there's so many, you know, romantic messages uh, in such a beautiful, elegant object. So that would be that.
1: Those are good ones. Okay. What's a current perfume that another perfumer worked on that really impressed you?
2: Let me think.
1: You know that feeling. I have yes. this feeling sometimes. It comes out you're like, damn, that's
2: yeah. good. No, because, uh, yeah. Uh, I am going to say something that is not really new, 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 but it's a perfume that, okay. impre- that impressed me, and it still impresses me. I wear it, and I uh, have a lot of pleasure for that, which is Terre d'Hermes. I tell them this is a perfume that I really enjoy. I understand it very well. I uh, worked, I had a traineeship under Jean-Claude Delenada, a perfumer who made this perfume. And so I see him and smell, it, smell him and feel him in that perfume. I remember the first time I smelled it, I was I was blown away and how, you know, the perfume is actually quite Quite minimalistic, and but at the same time, it's, it's an, of an enormous richness. I really think it's a great, great perfume. It's so, something sensational. Of the really, really more like contemporary launches, you know, it's difficult because uh, I commend. My colleague perfumers, are, you know, always we, you know, co- coming with new things, with fun things, with 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 things. But but there's so many that suddenly, you know, when you get like in the spot, like right now, you're you're asking me like, yikes, which would be a perfume that you know can, <laughs> can, can kind of kind of impress me? Uh, it, it will come to me. I am not being coy. I will definitely. Oh, uh, well, you gave I will us say, one, and yeah. it's
1: okay that it's a classic. That's totally fine. Um, and last question. I know you've worked with some celebrities to make celebrity sense. Well, who, would, who would you like to create a perfume for? A dream brief comes in from who?
2: Yeah, it's very interesting because I, uh, not that I uh, was practicing this or anything, but I do know, I did know that you were going to ask this question. So when I read a question, I put two names in my head. Uh, and then yesterday night, uh Rosal and I were, were having dinner at Il Gato Pardo and said, you know, tomorrow I'm doing this little interview and um, I'm going to be asked that. So I asked him, uh, there's two of them because they asked for one, but I always, you know, I like, I believe in the bonus, in the bonus effect. He's <laughs> been giving so, me
1: lots of bonuses. Yes, yes.
2: So, I'm, go, so I'm, going, I'm going to do you two. And then, and then he, he thought, and actually he said the name of the, the second person I thought, he thought it first. And then I said, perfect, you got it. And then think about the second one. It took him possibly 35 seconds, but he was Wait, who was in- this that you were out I have uh, with, my, with my husband, with Russell. Oh,
1: okay. Yes, so yes. he knows you better than anyone. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So he got but, but Did he he was like, oh. the
2: second one? The second one. Oh, and, and, then he ma- and then he mentioned Catherine Deneuve. And I said, uh-huh. that will be the third one. But the thing about Deneuve, who I adore, is that she already had a perfume back in the 80s. It was an absolute tea. Absolutely divine mm-hmm. perfume, and it didn't do a thing. It was not a success, and it's absolutely divine. It's a floral green Chanel Nineteen kind of uh, take with an incredibly beautiful bottle by Serge Manso. Uh, be, uh, didn't work. So such is life.
1: Okay. So two. Who, are, yes. Who okay. are
2: they? So I'm going with the first. With a so Russell said the number two first, and then he found the number the number two in his third attempt. So. I am going to go Hollywood in one of them, and I'm going to be absolutely not Hollywood in the other one. Okay, okay. Hollywood, Henry Cavill, definitely. Oh, okay. You know, I, because I, you know, I absolutely f- f- find him absolutely beautiful as a, as a, a physically, and he's a very very decent actor. He is also very good friends with a friend of mine, and she okay. tells me a lot of really endearing stories in a day-to-day basis, because she works with him as his uh, as his stylist. Uh, and the stories, I just saw her, uh, she lives in London, I just saw, saw her three weeks ago, and it was just wonderful to hear, you know, literally from the horse's mouth, how, how you know, a young actor, a young successful actor with a very privileged physique, you know, approaches... Himself.
1: A privileged physician. Yeah,
2: to say that, at least good, good, goodness, yeah. goodness, gracious. But racial, so but. he
1: lives up to the hype that you had in your head. He's a good guy.
2: Uh, he's a good guy and he's very he's smart good. and he has introspection and I like that. Perfume is introspection, so I really like that. So it would be like, you know, and uh, my friend kind of has conveyed him okay, <laughs> the idea or the caviar.
1: Maybe. And uh, then the other who's one is
2: a lady. Okay. And it's a lady that I find not, not, not only absolutely, you know, astonishing, uh, I also find her, uh, you know, like super, super smart and at the same time, extremely relevant in a moment uh, like this. And it is Michelle Obama. Oh. So uh, it has also been something that I had tried to communicate. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it, it is defi- oh, de- well, definitely... Michelle Obama smell. I know. Uh, I feel like
1: I could picture the bottle, but I have yeah. no idea what's
2: in the I, I know which perfume she likes, and I, I cannot reveal because I was on secrecy about that. Uh, oh, okay. it, it is a little bit of a surprising choice but you know to each his own but at the same time it's you know i think you know there's 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 relevance there's gravitas there's 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 uh instant we know
1: yeah. warmth too yes like, oh that's a good and, one
2: you know so it's like so i i absolutely adore them you know i, I think can, you should
1: I, just do it as like a fun side project and just send it to her see what
2: happens um do we continue? Do we continue? This was so
1: fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
2: It is my absolute pleasure. Always good to see you. you I'm always, I okay. hear you.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes. <it.
2: laughs>
1: we hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info
0: at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Reason One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your
1: voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646 481 8182. Thanks so much much for listening.